You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Final hour is here, Outkick 360, Monday edition, recapping the weekend, plenty of NFL news and notes. We'll get back to that coming up. The headlines also from college football, we've seen all the college football awards, but Heisman Trophy handed up to, to Caleb Williams. And uh, the, the top 10 vote getters, Hendon Hooker, fifth on the list, behind Stetson Bennett, who was the last player invited to New York uh, this past weekend. Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud, Stetson Bennett. That's how the, the four were voted uh, when Caleb Williams was announced as the Heisman winner. Followed by Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, third, uh, Blake Corum, Michael Penix, Jr., Bijan Robinson and Drake May round out your top 10. And uh, Chad, I don't, I mean, the, the six through 10 there don't, I think that's the proper order considering uh, the coverage of everything. I'm still surprised as you look at that list, it's hard to find defense. And normally, like in a top 10 list, you're looking around. I, I would think at least one defensive player would come to mind for a voter on a, on a three a three-player option, and that was not the case this year. It's a bit surprising. I'm not saying that there was a ton of just national award winners when it came to that. There's some really good players, some dominant players, and I think B. John Robinson, for me, would be higher. But other than that, I don't really have a discrepancy with the, the back end of the top ten. Yeah, Davey was saying earlier that uh, Caleb Williams had the worst pro football focus grade of any Heisman Trophy winner since PFF has been around. Uh, on the season, he had one truly bad game that was. Uh, I've, I've compared him to Hendon Hooker a lot because that's the comparison statistically in a lot of ways. Hendon Hooker never had a game as bad as he had against Oregon State, where he was something like 14 for 36 with 100 and something yards in the game. Caleb Williams, other than that, he was really good most of the year. He was not good after he got dinged up with the hamstring injury. In the mm -hmm. Pac-12 championship, they lost to one team twice, losing to Utah in Salt Lake City and then in Vegas for the Pac-12 championship. I mean, of the four finalists that are there, I don't have a huge objection to Caleb Williams being the winner. Yeah, I would have preferred Max Duggan. Um, he ends up finishing second. I think C.J. Stroud at three. You could argue between him and Stetson Bennett, three or four. I probably would have given Stetson Bennett the nod at number three. The head of C.J. Stroud? I, I would have, too. But, yep. I mean, it's you asked the question, why, why no defensive player in there? Because the school and media didn't do a good enough job hyping up one defensive player? I, I really feel it, it comes down to that. I think if television networks involved in college football and media would have gotten behind someone early and they went on to have a great season defensively, or even after a couple of weeks, if something would have caught fire... Probably would have seen one in the top 10. 
maybe not winning it, maybe top five, but it's just this wasn't a year where that was one of the talked about players. You know, I also like it's sad to say that, but that's that's how these things go. When you have nine hundred people voting, they're following the headlines, most of them. So if there's not a defensive player that's in the headlines every week, getting a lot of Heisman buzz from shows that talk about college football and everything else out there, yeah, then it's not going to happen. If College Game Day chose to do a piece on a defensive player multiple times throughout the season, I bet he would have finished top 10. Maybe not gone to New York, probably would have finished top 10 because enough people would have seen it. Yeah, I, I'm thinking through. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, are colleges investing in the hype train like the way they used to? Trying to send out Heisman finalist materials because these guys—it's not as much material. It's more social media now that they'll yeah, start, but it also starts but, late. But you've got to get it in the hands, like mailing stuff to the voters. Yeah, examples of—I don't know if they're doing that to nearly the extent they would have a decade ago. Do our 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 high school kids? Um, is are is is the Heisman Trophy list? I think it it matters at quarterback. It matters for Lincoln Riley as head coach at SC. Does the Heisman Trophy garner the same attention it would have if you had this run of Heisman Trophy winners? I mean, there, there's been a, a nice string of solid QB play at Alabama over the last, what, five to ten yeah. years now? And we saw our first Alabama quarterback and Bryce Young win it a year ago. Uh, here's the list of the, the past Heisman Trophy winners. It's a quarterback award. That's why I think that leans into our colleges pushing this as much because they know it's really not going to impact the overall momentum as much as, I mean, what's it worth to a, a college to have a top 10 defensive player in the, you know, in the top 10 of the Heisman Trophy ballot? I don't know. Um, but you look through the list and you can see a couple of Lincoln Riley QBs. Derrick Henry's in there. Henry and Devontae, and Devontae Smith. Smith sure. the, yeah, two Alabama guys as the outliers. Um, this is the eighth Heisman Trophy for USC. And I'm sorry that they want us to say that uh, Reggie Bush didn't win it. And that it really just ties Notre Dame and Oklahoma with seven, but it's eight because Reggie Bush, you know, took a house or a rental payment for a house for his parents in San Diego from an agent before he's supposed to. All of this stuff is completely legal now, and that's he won the Heisman. Okay, that's eight for USC. They're in first. There we said it. Outkick three sixty decided. That's eight Heisman trophies for USC. We're not going to stick to this ridiculous claim hey, that he doesn't have it. I didn't decide. We didn't decide. The Heisman voters decided it's when they gave stupid. it to him. It's Vince stupid. Young said as much. Vince Young finished second that year, and he was asked about it when he played here in Nashville for the Titans, and he said, no, uh, Reggie Bush is the Heisman winner. Yeah. He, he won the trophy. Didn't go to, didn't go to Vince Young after the fact. <laughs> um, so that's eight for USC, which is an accomplishment for them. Now, here's where it does absolutely help in recruiting. Lincoln Riley is now the right. Heisman whisperer at two different places. Mm -hmm. and he, he becomes the second coach ever to, to produce a Heisman Trophy winner as head coach at two different places. So It matters there. That's, yes. But, I mean... You take your pick of some of the top quarterbacks in football but it if does, you're Lincoln Riley. It matters there because Hendon Hooker got hurt. Right? Like, that, that to me is the reason. If I'm looking to invest in... Again, I'm just looking. If it's about promotion, I don't know why we don't see more of it. Or we're just not flooded with it because I don't know if the it, the brand itself matters for the individual. I don't know in today's transfer portal world if I'm investing as heavily in it, knowing that these guys are bouncing around the way they are. 
you know, they're here for a year, but you like, is that part of the deal? Like, come here, we're going to promote you for the Heisman. Like, you've got to be able to put up the numbers to get behind the promotion, then you're gone. Yeah, it's, I think the days, to answer your, you know it's, a, I mean? it's a, it's a thought provoking question. And I think the days, Hutton, of, Teams and schools starting out the season with a Heisman push. I think about the movie The Program. They wanted before the season, we're going to do a full extensive Heisman Trophy layout for Joe Kane. (laughs) Kane is able. And they have the slogans, the bumper (laughs) stickers, and everything else. I think those days are gone where you're putting mailers out and you've got all the stats listed and you're sending it to Heisman voters. Um, Before the season, it starts later now. An example, just following Tennessee football on social media – the Hendon Hooker for Heisman social media campaign started by the fans much quicker. I feel like really didn't start almost until after he was hurt. I mean, that late in the season. Uh, it was starting right around that time, but there were videos. And then once he was out, there was a concerted effort to post very well-produced highlight packages, why he should be in New York, hashtags with that. Well, they could win their and first, stats. Everyone's posted his stats compared mm-hmm. to everyone else. Even with the game he didn't yeah. play in the last regular season game, all of that stuff started very late. So I think it's just a later process now. Now going somewhere to try to win a Heisman, I mean, you're one of the top four or five quarterbacks in the country already. If you're really considering saying, "Hey, Drake May," now Drake May is not going to leave North Carolina because he's a North Carolina family and he's going to stay. His older brother was a, a great player in, in basketball in North Carolina. I think his dad played there. But Drake May is an example. Drake May is awesome. Top 10 for the Heisman Trophy this mm-hmm. year as a redshirt freshman. Could Drake May go to USC, you know, when Caleb Williams is gone, or go somewhere that's produced Heisman Trophy winners to go win a Heisman and say, this is what I'm going to do? Sure, you could try that, especially now that his offensive coordinator I mean, is at Wisconsin with Phil Longo gone. But I, I just it's a good the the pool of that happening is just so shallow of players that could actually try that. But that's why you would do it. You're not up against the country. You're up against about five quarterbacks. You just got to outplay five quarterbacks. It's why Jalen Hurts, when he lost his job to Tua at Alabama, went to Oklahoma. Yes, yes. So, but he lost his job too. So, but he, what I'm saying is, there's so if you get yourself to be a Heisman hopeful at a school. There are rare opportunities, unless you lose your job for whatever reason, to go somewhere else to say, well, now I'm going to go from Heisman hopeful at this Power 5 school to Heisman winner at this school. That's just a shallow pool of people that could say that. Hit us up with your thoughts at OutKick360. Uh, Terrible news that came out over the weekend um, from Qatar with U.S. soccer journalist Grant Wall dying uh, at the World Cup where... You know, it was going uh, viral where he was uh, not allowed access into one of the stadiums for uh, the was it the USA uh, Wales game a, a weeks a couple weeks ago, and he had to, he was told he had to change his shirt. Yeah, he was not allowed in, and you know, then we find out this this past uh, weekend about the news of of Wall dying um, there. He was a, a awful awful news, and um, plenty of questions with the story. Um, his his body is back with his family. We do have reports of that. Yeah, it's it's been flown to the United States uh, t- today. So this happened on Friday. I know news started breaking of this Friday night happening. Terrible story because not a huge soccer guy. Well, we we've, we've talked about no. that. But I know Grant Wall. Yeah, 
If there's any soccer story in the United States, it's Grant Wall's story. I mean, he is the, He's the voice mouthpiece of, yeah. of U.S. soccer and soccer in this country. And he has been probably since 1994 when the United States hosted the World Cup the last time. I mean, it's been that long well, he, that he's been a big voice in U.S. soccer. He once went, he tried to run for FIFA president against Sepp Blatter, right? I mean, you want to talk about corrupt uh, with FIFA. And, you know, he's trying to run as to, to run FIFA uh, just to prove a point and report on the, the process there. But, I mean, he's, he's never been um, shy from stepping into what is a very corrupt sport globally. Um, look at the World Cup and where we are right now in Qatar, um, where they're know, trying to get an Olympics, by the way, also. Yeah. And they probably will because the IOC is equally as yeah. corrupt. Yeah. As FIFA. So they'll probably award them with that. I, I have an extremely hard time watching people celebrate the television drama theater of this World Cup mm-hmm. and talk about how awesome everything is. Knowing it's happening in this country and Grant Wall is dead and all of these weird things are going on around it, maybe I'm alone here and it, it's probably in large part because I don't love the sport of soccer. Well, no. But it affects my enjoyment of the event, knowing what all went into building the stadiums in this country, knowing what's going on in the country, knowing how corrupt FIFA is. It affects my enjoyment. It affected – I love the Olympics. I didn't watch more than five minutes – of the Beijing Winter Olympics. I forgot that it happened because of everything going on with it. Well, and I'm not an overly political person, but when a corrupt factors lead to a lot of bad things happening to provide a world stage and a global audience in a place that does not deserve an event like this, it affects my enjoyment of it. And they're making over $7 billion in ad revenue. That's been reported. And, and here's a part of it, too. Um, you're saying it's, it's glorified, you know, theater, right? Yeah. I mean, w- the the response if this was Major League Baseball wanting to put the All Star Game in Atlanta, or Carolina and Charlotte uh, with the NBA because of a bathroom bill, uh, you can't play a, a an exhibition game in those stadiums. But yet, you know, this can be classified as you know great theater for the country of and the great. Uh, you know, accomplishment. Um, we're really overlooking that. And then you've got the, you know, Wall was detained for what, like 25 minutes because he was wearing a shirt with a rainbow on it and tweeted it out. I mean, he took a selfie and said, hey, I've been detained. It was in they're, support of, the, I not, think he said his, you know, gay soccer fans yeah, across the world. Yeah, I mean, he's like, I'm not taking it off and, you know, I'm going in. And then he updated everyone and said he was, he made it through. Um, and the, but he'd also said that he wasn't feeling well, or he'd been in bad health, or something too. Yeah, like, bronchitis-like symptoms. He was very peculiar uh, with all of it. It's it's very peculiar, and this is where going back to your point about the bathroom bill and all-star games being taken out, voting yeah. bills, and uh, this shows the stupidity of our country and our pro sports leagues and the ignorance of how bad it is in other places. Yes, and I don't ever want anything bad to happen to Grant Wall, and don't take this as me saying that anything that happened, if something was afoot or there's foul play involved in this, that anything is right about it. But you can protest things in America and be fine. We can be, we have the right to be stupid 
and move a damn NBA All-Star game because a state would have the audacity to make men go to the men's room and women go to the women's room. We have the right to be that dumb. You go to Cutter and you wear a rainbow shirt and you start talking about how backwards their country is while in their country covering an event, bad things may happen. You might get detained. Or God forbid something else might happen to you also. It, it, that's why I'm so thankful that we live and work here. Because yes. this is what happens in other countries. And there are people that if you live in America and you're accustomed to protesting things and you're accustomed to speaking out against things, those things don't happen to you in this country. When you go to Russia, when you go to places in the Mideast, when you go to China, if you do these things, watch what happens to their own citizens. Watch how they conveniently disappear at times. How do you think they're going to treat an American that's doing that? That's coming in to tell them how to live. Bad things happen at times. I pray that nothing sinister is afoot with the whole Grant Wall story. But the moment I saw that he was wearing that shirt and he was getting detained, I was seriously concerned. Yes. I was concerned for his well-being from that moment on. Well, there, and when this happened, I thought, oh, no. There was Please something, say nothing uh, happened. I, 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 I'm just now thinking of this. The WWE has a... $50 million per year deal, or did. It's probably more now. But Vince McMahon did a the first big event in in Qatar, in Qatar. They went over, it was in Saudi Arabia somewhere, it, it, one, of the, one of the spots there. They were there, and they were literally, there were reports from Dave Meltzer and others saying that they were scared they weren't going to get out of the country. Like they were getting straight to the airport on the plane and out with everybody after the event based on some things going down. So, I mean, for those that say, oh, yeah, but sure, they, there's plenty of stuff going on behind the scenes. And that's, that goes to the, the point and emphasis on the IOC or FIFA where they take these, th these massive events globally. And while we can sit here and complain about it, ultimately, no one's doing anything about it. Well, I hate that we have these uh, some places that, you know, it's so difficult. There is no free speech, and terrible things happen all the time. I hate that we, we have this to use as a point of reference. I wish these some places didn't exist like this, and that there, you know, you didn't have to worry about that all the time. But it's a great point of reference for the next time you get overly worked up about something in this country, and you move an exhibition game out of a place because of something. When you can look around the world or you go extreme and compare something here to something in history or something all over the world, these are solid reminders that it, you know, it may not be all bad so this, in America with the rights that we have and the ability we have to protest and the freedoms we have in this country compared to other places. Yes. And I hate that stories like this have to happen or that Qatar gets awarded a FIFA World Cup to put it on display for the world to see. But it's a good reminder. And for 2019, um, in November, the, the headline reads, WWE Chairman Vince McMahon's issue with Crown Prince lead to plane mishap in Saudi Arabia, um, where there was a money dispute and some things going on, and all of a sudden, mechanical issues started to happen on the tarmac. So, again, it's, this, this makes me raise, raise an eyebrow, given the fact of the timeline of the social media posts and everything going on, and the fact that everything went down the way it did. Now, another photojournalist has also uh, died while covering this event. 
Um, and I believe on the same day that a, a worker or a, a fan fell from somewhere and died. So it's just, uh, it's mounting. And, you know, I, I thought, Chad, we would see more issues of um, those that are protesting certain global issues and how Saudi would respond I, to I don't, it. I haven't seen a lot of people protesting. Well, I think most of the people that are there understand that, you know, it's a, well, it's a precarious some situation. Of the, players, the players certainly have in certain instances. Well, some of the players have protested their own country and got in trouble. Iran, for example, yeah. uh, tried to do something during their Iranian national anthem, and they were told, don't do that, or your family members are in danger. And guess what? They stood and, and honored the, the Pledge of Allegiance for their mm. country the next go-around in the, in the, next, uh, the next match. So... I, I don't know – again, I don't know how much protesting has been going on against Cutter during this, the way we saw with Grant Wall. Coming up, Chad, a proposal. Let's dive into the NFL news and notes from yesterday we didn't hit earlier in the show. And then to end, your, your co- coaching altercation uh, that you witnessed I, and, I, then, and then inserted yourself into altercation it wasn't physical by any means no I'm one I'm reading exactly what it says no one was yeah it's it's what I said I'm not okay, I'm not okay, criticizing okay, okay. I'm trying to set it up because I don't want to oversell this let me sell it this way <laughs> I've been around a lot of youth sports I have never witnessed what happened in this game before from the opposing coach of this game it was crazy and I'll explain the entire story of a first and second grade girls basketball game gone wild. That's coming up in 20 minutes after NFL news notes, headlines, big takeaways from the weekend on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. About 10 minutes, we'll preview tonight's Monday Night Football matchup, Patriots-Cardinals. Cardinals still in line for a top five pick, potentially. Yeah, you know, there's no mistake in a Monday. It's always, there's a certain feeling about it. I'm not going to go into an office space quote right now, yeah. but there's always a certain vibe to a Monday. You can mistake Tuesday for Wednesday or Wednesday for Thursday, but you always know when it's Monday. And today is Monday. And now I just hear the Monday Night Football theme echo in my head as I say that. I still, I still, it's still difficult for me to think of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for Monday Night Football. Chad, give us the rundown. Do you remember the, the guest list tonight for the Manning cast? Off the top of my head, Bill Simmons makes his first yes. return to ESPN since leaving ESPN. We're not being invited back. Not quite sure which happened, but he's not there anymore. Still very successful. Keegan Michael Key, Joe Burrow, and... Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri. I finally loaded it, as yeah. I... That's the fourth. Good, today, it's a good list. I came in and Chad was reading these off. I was like, that's awesome. And I, it, you know, how long has it been that Simmons has been off ESPN? I don't know. But it's his first time back on an ESPN property. 
that that as a favor really of the good. Manning boys. That will be really good. Yeah, he'll, I think they'll be good with him too. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, one of the the top storylines that's not talked about today because of the other quarterback play yesterday. But Ch- Chad, do you feel like he's turned a corner with his overall play? Um, we have seen him now with some really solid performances. The game the game against Detroit uh, last week was not good. Um, but I, I think. Off the first half of the year compared to now, I, I think there is more of a chemistry, more of a uh, a comfortable look to that offense considering what Doug Peterson brings, which is stability, which is what he didn't have last year as a rookie. I think they're on a nice trajectory. They, they have hit on some very young players, some solid draft picks. They've got... They, uh, Trayvon Walker. He looked great. Trayvon Walker was solid. He, he was an impact player yesterday for Jacksonville against the Titans. Um, they they have a player at every level, uh, young talent at each level, from corner to linebacker, and now at pass rush, where you flip it and you start looking around at at, at their offense and you think, man, they've invested at wide receiver. They had Evan Ingram had a career day. I mean, his numbers yesterday were the best of any tight end this season. And Trevor Lawrence was just in rhythm. Now, they they feel like they've got their guide, Travis Etienne. He wasn't much of a factor yesterday, but they had a second option. And Trevor Lawrence stepped up and made huge plays. Before I go and crown Trevor Lawrence... I'm not looking to crown. I, just, will, I will say, I think he, he was terrific it. yesterday. He was great, but... I felt like we'd have more days like this for Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I also watched that game and immediately think, how bad was Urban Meyer a year ago? Yeah. Because he ruined year one for Trevor Lawrence. Watching him play last year against the same Titans team versus watching him this year in Nashville against the Titans, my first thought was, man, Urban Meyer really sucks. Yeah. And that's true when you watch Trevor Lawrence in that game. The thought right after that, though, is, why have we not said that more often this year? Because Doug Peterson's a really good coach and a really good offensive coach. Starting to get more of that now, if this continues with Trevor Lawrence, he showed every bit of his ability yesterday. He stiff-armed a Titans linebacker on a run for a touchdown in this game. He has the ability to run. He was putting it on the money. He was throwing lasers. He was lofting it to the end zone to Evan Ingram for a touchdown. Great performance by Trevor Lawrence, but I'm still a little bit mystified by him so far in his NFL career. Yeah, I mean they they should be more consistent. They they but they're consistent in tight games. I mean they they're not they're not closing games. And it's it's very similar to where the Titans were what 5 years ago where they had to learn they they would talk about learn how to win. You know, but that starts with Lawrence and he has won at every level. It's very hard for me not to see where the division is right now. And not look at that team as the team that will be in the best position to take over two years from now in the AFC South. And yeah. I, I only say that because the, the Titans are about to go in rebuild mode. Yeah, we, they're they're we, on the rise, and you can't say that about any other team. Andy's got to get it's the quarterback really right. And Houston lacks true leadership from the top down. Houston's going to have the opportunity because of high draft picks. But Jacksonville's the only team I look on the field and think – they're only going to get better. The Titans are going to have to get worse before they get better again. The Colts, I have no clue what's going to happen with them. And the Texans are just so bad. Well, they could change their coach again. And there's just not you know, a just, lot there's of... There's no rhythm to it. There's no I mean, I like. Path. I mean, I watched I said, with the Texans, I like Jalen Petrie. 
the, oh, yeah. the safety from Baylor. Yeah. I mean, there's some young pieces there to like, but there's still nothing really jumping out to you. The Jags should have the quarterback mm-hmm. in Trevor Lawrence. They've got good pieces around him. Trayvon Walker really jumped out to me yesterday. Yeah, this is going to be the Jags' division to win if they do the right things over the next few years. The Titans are certainly slipping. Yes. Looking through some other uh, headlines, the Bengals are not slipping. Cowboys hang on yesterday. But, Chad, the Detroit Lions are the team that has really come out of nowhere that are uh, playing extremely well and offensively, they can go toe-to-toe with anyone right now. Jared Goff surprises me. Yeah, and it's... It, he's not having a great year, well, but not, uh, just the fact that he's they... He's not throwing those picks. He's not turning it over. I mean, they were 1-6. When they were 1-6, if you told me they're going to be 6-7 and seven and Jared Goff is going to be helping well, with that... But the, the issue with the Lions where they were averaging like 33 points a game in a... In a a start to the season where offense was yeah. awful. Aaron Glenn was and they they were losing about him games. fired mid, yeah. mid-season. So they were still putting up points. They just weren't winning games because they were losing uh, shootouts. They lost, let's just go through the quick headlines. They lost to the Eagles in week one, 38-35. They, they beat the Commanders 36-27. They lose to the Vikings 28-24. Uh, they lose to the Seahawks 48-45. They beat the Patriots twenty. The Patriots beat them. Excuse me, twenty nine nothing. And this is where they went through that lull, twenty nine nothing. They lost to the Cowboys twenty four six, and that's when everyone threw in the towel. Yeah, Dolphins went on the road and won thirty one twenty seven, and then they turned it around. They beat the Packers. They beat the Bears thirty one thirty. Beat the Giants thirty one eighteen. I mean, thirty one points. That is on par with what Buffalo's offense is doing. You know, you're 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 putting up. You're, it's it's numbers that are similar scoreboard wise to what Philly does. Again, surprised. Yes, <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean the, no one talks about that. Yes, DeAndre Swift. They've got a great running game, but he, he, St. Brown's a nice story at receiver. I mean, they've scored thirty plus in their last. I, I I'm impressed. Four with of him. their last five games, and they've scored thirty four. Of course, yesterday forty. The week prior against Jacksonville. Very impressive. So Did not you, think it was po- possible with Jared Goff. So are you on board the the train to see if they can push in as a, a last wild card team? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd love to see it. Absolutely. I, the same reason I'm rooting for the Bills to win the Super I, Bowl this year. I wonder. I'm rooting for the Detroit Lions to get to the playoffs. It's a great story. At six and seven, I mean, you start looking around and you think, man, this what would it take? Uh, the uh, the NFL playoff picture, let me just see exactly where the seed would be right now. Right now, the Giants are in. The Giants are going to fall off. They're, they're going the opposite way of what the, what the Lions have done. And this week, they've got the rematch against Washington, who's coming off of the, the, the bye week, the Commanders. I'll be pulling for them. Chad, your NFL playoff picture, your Lions. Chad's Lions now. Tell me about my Lions. I, I threw in the Tell towel me about on. Jared Goff, they're the my favorite seed. quarterback. So currently, they're the nine seed. You've got Seattle, and uh, Seattle's the first team out, followed by Detroit, and then Green Bay's at 5-8 and eight, at 10. So there is a path for them, and Seattle will face on a short week, I believe they host San Francisco. They're hosting San Francisco this week on Thursday. So the Thursday night football game is Brock Purdy against Geno Smith. Well, that's the other one that surprised me yesterday was Carolina 
going to Seattle and winning. Well, we I nearly I didn't know the on Friday, uh, yeah uh, Thursday I didn't know the injury status of Deontay Foreman, and then on Friday they cleared him, so I didn't include uh, Carolina in my upset picks. But Seattle's defense, man, they are a sieve for the run. Like you, you can run the football and. In, in this case, it wasn't even really that. We're, we're watching this game yesterday. This was more about short field position and Carolina taking advantage of that because of turnovers and, and special teams miscues and, and mishaps. Carolina went up there, and I mean, now you've got a, a situation where you know, they've, they've improved by getting players off the roster, which is weird. Right, like yeah. you, you, their momentum right now, and Steve Wilkes addition by subtraction. Steve Wilkes is making a case to stick around, either in Carolina or get other uh, interview well, if he opportunities. Doesn't, that lawsuit's going to get a little bit and more that, pumped up against I, the league? I, it must have been week two when I threw this out there. Like it, whenever, it, whenever uh, it, week eight, whenever we saw the change with Matt Rule, I mean, it was obvious that he's already involved in. He's, he's his name is added to the lawsuit uh, with Brian Flores, and yeah, if they don't retain him. He's he's already said that the he was a, a coach in waiting or they were waiting on a coach, so they hired him in Arizona for that one year. That's what he's alleged with Arizona. Um, but man, he, it's, you can't deny what he's doing right now. No, which is uh, fantastic. He's four and four. I mean, it's a very improved team for a, a Carolina team that's going nowhere with Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Sam Darnold starting quarterback. Chad, um, coming up, uh, we will get to your story real quick. Uh, Monday Night Football. You're really making me – you're stressing me out with the time here. I've got to get through all of this. It's not just one thing in this story. So, we got to get to it at some point. Oh, you need the floor. I, I, well, I don't need the floor, but I need some time is all I'm saying. I thought we were doing it this segment. So no, we're I said do final it, segment. And the uh, proposal. We're going to do it next proposal. segment. We need to break right now <laughs> for me to get wow. to all of it. Okay. We'll do it right now. Trust uh, me, it's going to be worth it. Take the Patriots tonight. It's a pretty easy bet. The – the Cardinals are in it for a top five pick. Meanwhile, the Patriots are very much 500 back and forth. We'll be back with Chad's story. He'll need the time to explain what was an, an altercation. An altercation at a first it and was, second grade girls basketball game. It was game. unprecedented in a youth sporting event from what I've seen that took place on the opposite sideline and almost forced me to get my hands a little bit dirty. I'll explain. That's next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Over the weekend, Saturday at, well, around noon, 1223, local time. From Chad Withrow, the text reads, there was a coaching altercation in my basketball game this morning. Let's add it to the rundown. I have not asked a question about this all weekend. I hearted it. I love receiving texts like that. Chad, I cannot wait to hear this story. And again, I, I, I said earlier in the show, I would have put money down that you were not involved whatsoever. I thought you witnessed it and witnessed it only. 
and I cannot wait to hear the details of this. I can tell Matty Ice is excited to hear this story in studio right now. I don't know if anyone else is, but I know Matty is because he's my guy. Thank you, Matty. I can see your excitement on your face. Um, so here's the deal. I did not want to be involved in this altercation. But eventually, you know, a man can only take so much. And you reach your snapping point, and you say something. You see something, you say something. It's like me on the flight to Vegas that one day. It's a very similar situation where I finally had to speak up and say yeah. something. So here's what happened. We're playing. It's a six and seven, first and second grade. Not really six and seven, just first and second grade girls basketball game. I am the assistant coach for my daughter's team. We have 10 players on our team. We played a team with five players. Now, I took one step into this gym and saw on the other sideline one of the girls playing. She also played in our softball league. She's a terrific athlete. So my immediate thought was the scouting report that I heard from my buddy who coached the other team at this school is off because this team's going to be really good because I know this girl is a great athlete. And I saw some other player. I'm like, this team's going to be a challenge. Well, very early in the game, I realized this team, the other team is better, right? I mean, there's no, look, I, you're going to lose in youth sports. I get it. I have no issue with it's it a whatsoever. Year. It's a learning year. I will cheer when another girl makes a free throw or a shot. I will say something nice to them, again, because it's first and second grade girls basketball, right? So we're down eight to nothing after one quarter. And my daughter's one of the, you know, they're teams of five. They play first and third, second, because we have so many players. So my daughter's team is out there first. I'm getting on to Evie so much because we didn't practice that week. We practiced that morning, just ball handling, passing. But she's not being aggressive like she normally is. And there's moments where she's got her hands on the ball and then just backs away from it when the other girl has it and the girl will shoot it up. So I'm, I'm on her harder than normal. So we get to the end of the first quarter. My daughter's crying um, because I've yelled at her too much and I'm trying to get her attention during the game. So I don't feel great about that. So she has to sit in the second quarter. I say, Evie, sit here. Let's talk for a minute. And I talk to her. I say, you're fine. I know that you're trying. I just don't know why you're not playing aggressive like normal. So when you get back out there, just go get the ball. It's very simple. When the ball's there, go get the rebound. If it's on offense or defense, just go after the ball. Okay, so that's kind of the setup to it. So second quarter gets there. and She's very coachable. It's an, it's an eight to nothing game going to the second quarter. I think we score to make it eight to two. At this point, maybe it's like eight to two or ten to two. So it's first and second grade basketball. Every girl travels when they get the ball. It's one point or another. No one's perfect with this. There's a lot of double dribbles. These high school boys that are refing the games aren't going to call every travel, nor would I ever want them to call every travel. Nor, and I'll raise my hand when I say, have I ever yelled walk, double dribble, travel on the opponent to the official? Because I know they're not going to call it on our team either. It's like the so NBA. It's, uh, thank you. Exactly like the NBA, Hutton. So it's something that I just allow to go, right? Like most mm-hmm. you know, sane coaches would. Well, the ball's on the other end of the court, and our girl, one of our post players, gets the ball, and there's a girl below her. So instead of dribbling it, she starts to kind of shuffle her feet, arms over her head with the ball around the girl to get in position to shoot it. And then she shoots it. Well, as this is happening, she's clearly traveling with it, but there's no call, right? Which we understand. The mom who's coaching the other team storms the court. This is... I'm talking, stops the game, has her hands above her head, gesturing what our girl is doing, yelling at the ref saying, what is going on? This is what she's doing. This is what she's doing. So to the high school boys' credit, 
Where is she on the court? She's in the in the play. They have to blow the play. I mean, she's in. She's next to the little kids. She walks out onto the court, oh. fully onto the court, not two steps on. Walks in to inadvertently stop the game. Yeah, she's like the protester. And stop the game, saying that's a travel. It should be our ball. Yeah. Yelling at the ref. It's a Timberwolves game. So the the this the, is the NBA. The kid that's refing, you know, blows the whistle. Says, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, they're at me like, hey, no, 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 no. Go back, calm down. So our coach, I decide to stay quiet. Now we could have escalated the is situation. This on your end, on the opposite end. Okay. So I'm on one end. So, I'm on. Yeah, the, I'm on the end of the bench. Off. Our our All coach right. is here. Looking to our left, down the other end. So our coach is, is just saying, "What? Hey, come on!" For and he he kind of and our our coach is very calm, super nice guy. Says first and second grade basketball, chill out. Trying to calm the mom down, right? Who's yeah. going crazy? It's eight two. They're winning. They're going to win the game. Right. I don't understand right. what's happening yeah. in her brain when this happens. Right? Full meltdown. Stops the game. So <laughs> this happens. We could have escalated. I could have demanded a technical. We could have gone out there yelling at the ref to throw her out of the game, all this, right? So this happens. We calm down, get to the half. Now, during the second quarter also, my coach looks at me and says, the male assistant coach keeps mouthing at me. Says he keeps saying something to me. He's, like, he's talking the whole time, yelling at our bench. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? So we get to half, okay? And at halftime, the male assistant coach walks one of his five players over who's crying and says, hey, coach, one of your girls pinched my girl. Pinch one of our players. And I said, well, that we're, we're not about that, so do you know? And I bend down to the girl and I say, honey, do you know what number, who, who pinched you? And I will talk to her about it. Does not know the number. Now, I immediately had an accusation of who I thought on our team would have done this, <laughs> okay. someone that's displayed a temper before, okay? They're first and second graders. It happens. And she was complaining about getting smacked a lot in the game. So I thought she may have retaliated. So the girl says, no, I didn't, I didn't pinch anybody. She says, but they are smacking me. And I said, okay. So I tell the coach, I said, I'm sorry that happened. We'll deal with it. All right? Could have said a lot worse because it's a very awkward situation that I'm being marched a tiny you know, human we over make note of this. and saying, one of your girls pinched our girl. Think, okay. So then this happens, and I go out to the refs because our coach is talking to them about what happened, and I tell the ref, I said, hey, if that happens again, throw her you-know-what out of the game, and I will help you make sure she's out of here. I said, don't hesitate. So the kid laughs. He's like, I'm not joking. She can't walk onto the court. So at this point, the woman starts walking over and talking to the refs, not talking to me. And says, hey, you know, we got to... And I said, you know, since now I'm, I'm, I'm starting to build up, as you can tell right now as I'm building up. I say, hey, you know, since we're making suggestions, don't ever do that again. What you just did on the court, don't do that. Just don't. If you think about it, don't do it. Ever. That is a terrible example for all these kids. So she kind of plays this, well, it's my first year coaching, I don't know. And I said, your daughter is way too good to play ignorant. Like I, I know yeah. which one your kid is, and she's not going home not doing anything. She's not being raised by someone who doesn't know the game. You know better than that. Don't do it. So we get in the second half. All right, we break away. She, to her credit, didn't really have much to say about it. Kind of said something about being a first year, then backed away. Second half starts. My daughter oh. goes over the back on someone trying to reach the ball. Being Clear aggressive. foul. So I get up, and I'm like, Evie, I told you to go for the ball, and she gets four fouls in the game, by the way. You can't reach over her back. Didn't hurt anyone. They blew the whistle quick. So as I'm talking to our player, my daughter, 
The male coach is staring me down and mouthing at me. So I go to the scorer's table and I said, would you like to say something to me? And the guy kind of looks away and then looks back and I said, say it to me if you've got an issue. And I said, I am talking to my daughter about not doing that. You coach your players. I will coach my players. This is when I go and sit down, take multiple deep breaths on the, on the end of the bench, and just try not to look at their bench the rest of the game. Game ends, I think we lose like 14 to 6 in this game or something. Did you shake their hand? And I'm thinking, well, of course I'm going to go shake their hands, but I'm also preparing, Hutton, similar to you on the plane. Yeah. Like, this guy might say something, <clears throat> and I'm going to have to not fight him in front of all these kids and parents. Now, cooler heads prevailed. We all shook hands, said, good job, good job, coach. Good game, good game. Quickly, went through the handshake line, got out of there. But I have never seen in a youth sporting event, especially that age, someone stop the game by walking into the middle of the play the way that happened in that game. And this set off a chain of events that started with some mouthing. And I don't know what – I assume this person maybe knew who I was, listens to the show, and didn't like me coming in, so kept saying things to our bench – but, look, not a great moment, but I'm happy that nothing bad happened because I had to take a lot of deep breaths. We got the umpire in studio. Can we get this dude in studio? The male coach? If he would like to reach out and come in studio. You guys can just stare at each other I would love show? for him or the mom that stopped the game by running onto the court to come in studio and explain themselves as to how they thought that was a good idea. And maybe I, they'll admit <laughs> I got carried away. I said, Chad coaching youth league softball is one thing, but on the hardwood – game time this guy you're welcome at any time but he'll get up and join you on tuesday apparently ready to bang some hats